Thank you, Brother Spell. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to I'm going to talk for just a minute or two about something that I believe is very important. Um, Brother Spell mentioned that last week I had the privilege of coordinating the Manhattan Hope Corps initiative. And what that was is 26 young adults that had graduated from high school. Some of them were well into their working years, some in their 30s, some in their 40s, but most in their early to mid-20s. They all came to Manhattan, and for seven days we prayed, we studied, we taught men like Brother Kenny Godair, Brother Johnny King, Brother Philip Endress, different ones. We talked, they, they spoke, they taught, they poured their heart out into those young adults. Hope Corps is a big deal. I want to bring it up tonight because I believe that we have got to develop apostolic leaders in this day. I believe that with all of my heart. And we were able to do it without politics. We were able to do it without pushing some kind of a, a carnal, natural agenda. It was simply the work of God. And we prayed for people. We prayed for devil-possessed people. We encountered things that would blow your mind. We baptized people. People got the Holy Ghost right there, first time they walked in the doors. We went to Chinatown. We went to Harlem. We went to a Hasidic community. Our young ladies went running into the Hasidic Jewish clothing shop and they saw that they had modest dresses there. And the owner of the shop, a woman, said, why, why would a bunch of Gentile girls want our dresses? And they said, first of all, these dresses are $500 everywhere else. Y'all have good prices. But second of all, we believe in holiness unto the Lord. We're not just wearing dresses today. We wear dresses all the time. And we believe in one God. The shopkeeper threw up her hands and said, Oh, we've never seen Gentiles act like this before. Amen. So we, we were able to expose those young adults to that. They took several classes that are transferable to any regionally accredited university. And those classes aren't math and they aren't uh, English, but they are apostolic doctrine. The oneness of God, Jesus' name, baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the, the things that make the apostolic faith what it is. Hey, we, we've got to get this in our hearts. We've got to get this in our spirits. The world's throwing things at us that, that we've never seen before. And we need a church that can stand up and say, we're not going to backslide. We're not going to back up. We're not going to go away. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to lose our faith. But we're going to be stronger than we've ever been before. Hallelujah. I'm Jesus' name from the top of my head down to my feet. I'm oneness of God all over my life. Hallelujah. I talk in tongues when the Spirit gives the utterance. And I'm not ashamed of it. Amen. Amen. So you can be seated if you are a young adult and you are going into um, life, you're graduating. Why not consider Hope Corps? 
why not make an investment in your future because it will change your life. This upcoming week or two, they're going to be meeting in Roatan, Honduras. Brother Miles Young will be heading that up, and they're going to receive invaluable missionary experience. And I'm simply excited about our young people today. Amen. I'm excited about what God is doing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Um, and I, I, I agree with what Brother Morton said. There is a wonderful atmosphere. There's a wonderful moving of the Holy Ghost. It is so good to be with, um, with all of you. I've enjoyed meeting several of you and talking to you. I can see God's hand on many of your lives. Amen. I believe that. How many believe that tonight? I hope you didn't come here to just go back home the same way, but I hope you came to know that God has a purpose for me. Point to yourself say, God has a purpose for me. Amen. It's wonderful to be here with Brother, Brother Patrick and with Brother Morton and with Brother Spell and his family and all the ministering brethren. I've enjoyed the fellowship so much. And I'm just excited about what God's going to keep on doing. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, chapter 4. And I'll, I'll tell you something tonight. I wrestled with what I was going to preach. Because camp meeting messages, a lot of times, you know, it's a time to worship. It's a time to renew yourself. And it's a time to run the aisles. It's a time to shout. It's a time to... to, to just have a move of God. And I, I think that, that all that's going to happen. We've already had some of that happen. But when I prayed about what I was going to speak on tonight, I struggled with it because I don't know that I really consider it what you would call a camp meeting message. But I, for some reason, I feel that there is somebody in this building tonight that needs to hear what I'm about to say. I, I've been preaching and pastoring long enough to know that I don't shut those feelings off when I get them. So, for better or for worse, here we go. Ruth chapter 4 and verse 11. If you have it, say amen. amen. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephratah and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth she was his wife. When he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name be famous in Israel. He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Amen. 
I could preach on several things tonight. There's a lot of good topics in the Word of God, and I love the Word of God. But I'm talking to young people that are going to go into life, and you're going to see things, and the devil's going to try to shake your faith. He's going to try to tear down everything you believe. You're going to go into colleges and into universities, and you're, some of you are just going to simply go through life and secularism and carnality and postmodernism are going to chip away until if you're not careful and if you're not full of the word of God you will lose what we have in this building tonight and it's the job of every man and woman in this building to stay filled with the Holy Ghost to keep the shield of faith to keep the sword of the spirit so tonight by the help of God I want to preach to you on a subject I've entitled there is a son born to Naomi there is a son born to Naomi. Look at the person next to you and tell them, don't ever lose sight of God's purpose. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> I think sometimes that people forget that the Bible is a legal document. I think they forget that. When they open it and they read it, they think, oh, that's the Bible. That's, that's the good book. But the truth is, it is a legal document. It has a judge. It has an accuser, a prosecutor. And it has a mediator, a lawyer, one who stands in the gap. And when you talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're actually talking about what we in our modern day language call a last will and testament. And you need to know that because... Every person in this room is going to stand before God one day. And you want to make sure your papers are in order. You want to make sure that your documents are signed. You want to make sure you have the right name on your document. And there's only going to be one name that's going to open those gates, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to preach the name of Jesus until I die. I'm going to preach the necessity of the infilling of the Holy Ghost until the day I die. Because that's what the will and testament means. But let me say this about the will and the testament. You know, what that is is a document that's executed when somebody dies. When, when, when a father dies... When a mother dies, they leave a will behind, and it's a piece of paper that tells what their last wishes are. And it's a legal document. But I think people forget that before there's a will on paper, there's a will of the person. There's a force. There is a, an executed power as someone exercises their will. There are strong-willed people. 
There are weak-willed people. But what we read about tonight is the will, the mind, the force, the power of Almighty God Himself. Don't let the fact that it's written in pages blind you to the fact that God has a purpose. And when God sets His mind to something, it's going to happen. Amen. My job is to find out His will. Because if I can find out what He wants, and I don't just mean paper, I mean His will, His design, His executable desire. When you find that out, Red Sea's part. Because His will demands that they part. When you find that out, bread rains down from heaven. When you find out His will, bitter waters turn sweet. When, you, when Jesus looked at people and He executed His will, ankle bones snapped back into place. Because the will of God commanded that they go back to the original design. When the will of God was executed on five loaves and two fishes, the molecular structure changed and they multiplied beyond what the law of physics said that they could do. Hallelujah. Because the one who gave the law of physics said, My will demands that it be done. There's a multitude here. You can't do that. We only have five loaves and fishes. These people can't eat. But the will of God executed itself. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about just a piece of paper. I'm talking about a living, breathing, powerful, quick, sharp, dynamic, alive, anointed will of God. And His will is holy. His will is good. Sometimes people think that when they hear Bible stories that their Bible stories about Daniel or their Bible stories about Ruth or maybe their Bible stories about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the truth is they're not stories about Daniel. They're stories about Daniel executing God's will. It's not a story about Daniel. It's a story about God. And a man that followed him. It's not a story about three guys. The point's not the three guys. The point is that God's will was done. This is a story about God. This whole book is a story about God. This is His book. This is His presentation. This is His manifesting of Himself. I want you to know about me. I want you to know what happens when men do what I say. I want you to know what happens when men confront false prophets. I want you to know what happens when they get thrown in fiery furnaces. It's not about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's about the fact that I can save anybody that obeys my word. It's my will. It's my will. It's my will. So you can forget that in the living of life. And I want to talk about that tonight because His will is precious. I love the will of God. 
I seek for the will of God each day. Every person in this room should pursue the will of God. I'm telling you this because it's easy to lose the will of God. All you have to do is get to thinking it's a little bit more about you than it is about Him. There's a sad thing that happens, and it's happened throughout the ages, and if you do not live for God with all of your heart, it will happen to you. Because the truth is, there are people here in this room that if statistics tell the truth, they're going to go to hell. I know that seems kind of far off and people say, not me. But look at the person next to you and ask yourself, where will they be? Look at yourself in the mirror and say, are you ready to do whatever it takes to go to heaven? Are you ready to endure the mockers? Are you ready to walk away from seducers? Are you ready to look at this old world and say, I do not belong to you. I belong to Jesus Christ. Are you ready to tell hypocrites, I don't care how many times you fall. I'll never use you as an excuse to backslide. Hallelujah. Are you ready to look at God and say, I will serve you with all of my heart for all the days of my life. And I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. I love you too much. I will pursue your purpose. I think tonight in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge, there's some young people that need to lift up their hands and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to stay full of the Word of God. I'm going to let it dwell richly in my heart. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to follow this old world. I'm a child of the King. I belong to Jesus Christ. But something in me tells me I'm not just talking to campers tonight. And if you are a camper, the day is going to come when I pray that you hear past the shouting of my words. And I pray that you look past the youth camp atmosphere and you reach back and hear the words of this young preacher from Florida. Because you're going to need these words. There's a thing that happens in God's kingdom. People can lose sight of His will. Great men pursue His will. They build kingdoms. They build arcs. They establish dynasties. They create families. You are here tonight because a man somewhere stood up and said, I'm going to serve the Lord. Maybe that man had a wife that stood by his side and they said, we will serve the Lord. And then those people said, we will bring others to the Lord. Tonight, if you have a pastor that told you to come to youth camp and to serve God, thank God for somebody who fights for the will of God. They have got to brave criticism. They've got to stand firm. They've got to fight off wolves. 
lions and predators. They have got to endure the naysayers and the mockers and they got to get up week in and week out and say God is great and He's greatly to be praised. And there will be a church in this city. There will be a church in this place. And I don't care what anybody says, we're going to serve God. Somebody has got to be strong. Somebody's got to keep having church. Somebody's got to keep the light on. Somebody's got to keep the Holy Ghost moving by a consecrated lifestyle. Somebody's got to keep the prayer room open. Somebody's got to... My God. I don't care who walks away. Somebody's got to remain. Hallelujah. They do it day in. They do it day out. Somebody needs to look at that and say, you know what? That's going to be me. That's going to be me. I'm going to be one of those people. I'm going to be one that remains. I'm going to be one that stays. I'm going to be one that sticks. You can be seated. I... I've learned the value of remaining because oftentimes people backslide. They walk away from God and when they do, in the back of their mind, they know that they can always go back to a place. The only reason they can go back to that place is because someone remained. They can mock that person. They can hate that person. They can be bitter about that person. But I am telling you, they only have a place to go back because somebody said, you might move, but I won't. You might quit, but I won't. You might walk away, but I won't. You know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be right here. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. You know exactly. You might be on a bar stool. You might be snorting something up your nose. You might be somewhere in a back alley. But you know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to be in the sanctuary of the Most High. I'm going to be in the middle of the people of God. And the only reason you can even come back here is because I never left. Oh, somebody make up your mind. I'm going to serve him. 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 I'm going to give him everything. I'm going to love him. I'm going to worship him. It's not boring. It's not same old, same old. It's not the old fashioned. It's the church. And it doesn't change. It remains. It doesn't move, honey. It, do it doesn't move. I'm not here today and gone tomorrow. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not up and down and left and right, but I'm right in the middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about Jesus' name. I'm talking about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And yes, you will speak with other tongues. Yeah, I'm talking about living holy. I'm talking about one God. I'm talking about the doctrine of the apostles that we earnestly contend for. I made up in my mind a long time ago, young people, I'm not going to be a Demas. I'm going to be a Timothy. You can be seated. I'm saying that because there's a generation that says everything that I just said. And the blessing of the Lord will come. When the blessing of the Lord comes, something 
happens. There's a temptation that can grip you and you can never let this happen in your life. Somewhere in there it becomes more about me than it does about God. It's easy for it to become more about the cut of your suit than it does about serving the Lord. God can bless you financially, but, but, but if all you can think about is Hugo Boss and you don't know how to pray, then you have a second generation mindset and it's becoming more about you. If you think it's all about how good you sing and how good you play the piano and how great your harmony is, I'll tell you what, I would rather have somebody plunk away on a piano that was full of the Holy Ghost than a devil who sings like an angel. Because they might be able to give you goosebumps, but only one can call down fire from heaven. Only one knows how to get God's attention. Only one knows how to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll stay unsophisticated if I stay in the prayer room. I'll stay humble if it means serving my God. It's never about the show. It's always about the one who sits on the throne. And when the show becomes bigger than the worship, something's wrong with you. Now, why are you preaching on this, Brother Urshan? Because it happened in my life. I watched it happen to my friends. I watched it happen to people that I love with all of my heart. I watched... I'm just going to talk about this. I watched politics rip my family to pieces. Some people aren't bold enough to say it. I'll say it. I watched things get turned. It's so easy to happen. It, it, it simply takes place over time where patriarchs, men of God, women of God who love God with all of their heart, so much blessing happens that people fall in love with the blessing more than the blesser. Entitlement, pride, self-sufficiency, clicks form. Something's lost. And what happened in the scripture that I just read is, and this whole book of Ruth is about the purpose of God that was almost lost. Because it's possible to start to play with holy things. It's possible, possible to get used to church. It is possible to count ceiling tiles while the preaching goes forth. It is possible to, 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 to learn the Pentecostal game. And shout and then go out and live in sin. It's possible to hang around carnal people who make fun and laugh and they lose their sense of the sacred. 
They know the songs and they can mock them. They can call them up at a second's notice because they're raised like that. But it's not reaching their heart. They've seen their parents do it. They've seen their grandparents do it. And they do it, but they do it on the surface. They don't do it in their spirit. I'm telling you that you can lose the purpose, the will of God. So we come to the book of Ruth and we read the end of the story. And what is said is significant because the women of the village look at Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi and they sing a song and they bless them. And they say, we want you to be like Rachel and Leah. Which two did build the house of Israel? So I'm so thankful for the builders who build the kingdom of God. I thank God for every patriarch in this building tonight that you're the reason this is here. You're the reason why hundreds of young people can gather together. I honor you. I thank God for you. I am here because of men and women just like you. Don't you ever lose sight of the patriarchs that never moved. I thank God for the Jacobs. I thank God for the Israels. I thank God for the Leahs and the Rachels. And, and they said, let, 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 let the blessing of Leah and Rachel, let, let, let you be like them. But then they said something that kind of caught my attention. They said, let you also be like the household of Pharez. Now that's different. Because the house of Pharez and Tamar is not about building Israel. It's about saving the house of Israel. Because by the time things had gotten down to Pharez and Tamar, this thing was almost lost. I won't go into all the details because it's embarrassing. <laughs> but Er and Onan were treating the things of God lightly. These were preacher's kids. And they were handling the things of God in such a way that God's purpose was about to be lost. The next heir was not going to be raised up and Tamar was still barren. There wasn't going to be another kid born. The line was going to die. And the line can't die because God's will is that a Savior be born into this world. This is the last group of people that can produce the Messiah. And if somebody doesn't get serious about God, the line's going to die right here. Ur is wicked. And he doesn't do what his dad taught him. Onan is irresponsible and won't take responsibility for the kingdom of God. God kills both of them. And Judah is short-sighted and can't see it. So a little girl named Tamar has to go to great lengths to preserve the kingdom of God. She never should have had to do what she had to do. But she did it. And God's people are here today because that little girl Tamar did what she had to do. You can read the story later on when you get in your bunk bed. But let me just tell you, there'd be no you if there wasn't for a Tamar. You're here tonight praising God because a little girl said, God's word is going to be done in my life. I'm going to have to do some things. I'm going to have to make it happen. We're going to go through some rough times. Hey, there's some times in the church where bad things happen, where people don't do what they're supposed to do. That does not mean you quit. It does not mean you give up. It does not mean you cast blame. It does not mean you walk away it just means you do what you gotta do and God will honor you <laughs> hallelujah 
let me, let me bring it a little closer to home. There's times where things go wrong. And they even go wrong in the church. You're going to see things that aren't right. You're going to see people mess up. And the devil is going to bring every force in hell he can against you to say, See, I told you. Everybody's a hypocrite. Everybody's a liar. This thing don't work. And the older you get, see right now, the ages of 12 to 18, life is good. We're running the aisles. We're praising God. But I'm concerned about when you hit 21, 22, 23 and professors start talking to you and backslidden cousins start talking to you and, and, and people around the way start talking to you and you get into life and you work on jobs and your coworkers talk to you. I, 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 I want to know what you're going to do at that hour of temptation. Right now it's good in an insulated building, but I'm going to tell you, you've got to get something down in your heart tonight in this camp meeting that says I'm going to keep the simplicity of my faith. I will not let the devil make me skeptical. I will not let the devil make me sarcastic. I will not let the devil make me cynical. I still have faith in preaching. I still have faith in altar calls. I still have faith in prayer meetings. I still, come on, when you're 24, 25, 26, and every temptation in hell is on you, and you're trying to pay a mortgage, and you're trying to hold a marriage together, and you're trying to raise kids in a crooked world, you got to have something down on the inside that says even though things aren't perfect, God is. God is. You can be seated. I've been pastoring long enough to where I've seen people I never thought would backslide, backslide. I've been pastoring long enough and living for God long enough to where I've seen preachers backslide. There are times where people will say it wrong and do it wrong. If you get enough people together, they'll figure out a way to do something wrong. Somewhere, sometime. And I am telling you that God's purpose is above all of that. People fall. God doesn't fall. People mess up. God doesn't mess up. Hallelujah. His word is true. I don't care how far out there you get. God's word is true. The Holy Ghost is real. Don't you let anybody talk you out of it. The Holy Ghost is real. I'm telling you in the year 2013 that God is able, He is able no matter what kind of a situation you get yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. You go back to those basics. You go back to what you knew as a teenager. You go back to this service on a Thursday night in a muggy Louisiana camp meeting and you say the same God that was there that night is the same God that can help me in my dysfunctional marriage. And I'm not going to leave Him. I'm not going to forsake Him. I don't care what happens. I'm preaching a message that I want you to reference 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, when you're just about ready to throw in the towel. I remember when Brother Urshan told me that this day would come. I don't know how it happened. But somehow, Naomi wound up in Moab. 
somehow her husband drug her off to Moab. Now the Bible says there was a famine. It was tough in Israel. And they made a decision to go to Moab. Things happen in life. It happened in Naomi's life. When they get into, and listen, by the way, it's significant that the Bible puts its spotlight on this little family here right now. There was a lot of stuff going on in the world at that time. They could have been talking about the kingdoms and the, the, the invention of the wheel and the, the discovery of brass and the discovery of iron, but God didn't do any of that. God, God pinpointed a little girl named Ruth and a little family headed up by Naomi and said, I'm not interested in any of all that other garbage. I'm interested in this little family right here. And he highlights this family. And Naomi is in a foreign land. And her sons have married girls that don't know God. I'm going to tell some young people here right now, be very careful who you marry. You want to know the best way to backslide? Marry the wrong person. I'm going I'm I'm to shave about 20 years of heartache out of your life right now. Do not marry the wrong person. You make sure they're full of the Holy Ghost. You make sure they love God more than they love you. You make sure they know how to listen to a pastor. There's a reason why Abraham said, I'm not going to take a, son, a wife from my son in this land. You go over here to this land because these women don't know my God. Come on, young lady, you get a young man that's full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, young man, you get a woman that loves to pray and that loves the things of God. And when you're down, she picks you up. And when you're down, honey, he picks you up and says, we're going to church. Well, I'm strong enough. I can take it. You cannot take it. If God is not their anchor, I'm telling you, the odds are you're not going to make it. Well, I'm pretty tough, Brother Urshan. I don't know. I'll, I'll pick them up. Did you know that people don't fall up? They always fall down. Well, I'm going to change them after I get married. No, you're not. Well, I'm pretty hard and tough and I love the Word of God. Didn't you know that the continual dropping weareth away the stone? All you got to do is hear it every day. Every day. Every day. Passive resistance that eventually turns into active resistance. That eventually turns into I'm not going. And then it turns into I'm not going to raise my kids that way. I'm going to tell you right now there's nothing better than the equal yoke that comes from a man and a woman that love God. Stay in Israel. Stay in... Listen to me, Samson. Don't you go after those Philistines. Stay in Israel. What is wrong with you that you're attracted to that? Stay in Israel. Hang on to the purpose of God. It's not about you. It's about Him. Listen, the devil's not just after you, brother. He's after your children. He's after your grandchildren. And I made up in my mind, I want who God wants. Because if you ever find yourself too close to Moab, you'll find yourself tangled up with a Moabite. 
I'm trying to tell you how people lose God's will. How they lose His purpose. And Naomi lost her sons. Their names? Malon, Chilion. Two church boys that wound up living in a strange land, eating strange food, practicing strange customs. This was supposed to be the great-grandpa of David. But because of living too close to the world, they died. Naomi's husband died. Ruth and Orpah's husbands died. And now you have three women alone. And there is no hope in the future. I'm going to tell you something right now. Let me tell you what happens when, you, when the will and purpose of God begin to slip. The elders begin to despair. Brother Morton mentioned it tonight. He said, you know, there's a lot of people wringing their hands. There's a lot of people worried. But not tonight. Tonight we see people filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm so glad I see young people filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm glad we still know how to clap our hands. We still know how to serve God. There's a purity in what we're doing here. I don't apologize for it. This works. This works. The world doesn't work. Sin doesn't work. I don't need to take 20 years to explore it and find out because I'm curious. I know sin doesn't work. But one of the things that you'll notice is the elders will begin to despair. And because of a decision that her husband made and a decision she made to live in Moab, they lose their future. When you see your young men beginning to be lost, you're in a bad place. When you see the seed givers, the one whose hopes you look to, the one who are supposed to carry the future, when you see them being lost, when you see a generation walking away from God, it's time to worry. Something's not right. God's purpose has gone sideways because people got involved. Human will interfered. And so now, Naomi's wringing her hands and she's wondering where it went bad. How could this happen? The Lord has dealt so wrongly with me, so harshly with me. And she actually said... Don't even call me Naomi anymore. You call me Mara. Because the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. One of the first things that is required. And I don't know if this is for campers, but it's for somebody. One of the first things required for getting your life back on track is to refuse to become bitter. I don't care how many preachers did you wrong. I don't care how many preachers' kids you know aren't living right. I don't care what kind of trash you've seen. I don't care what kind of hypocrisy you've seen. Don't you let your name be turned to Mara. I'm telling you, men mess up, but God is faithful. God is faithful. 
God, lift your eyes up out of this garbage. Lift your eyes up out of this trash. Lift your eyes up out of all of these failures. And you look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You get your eyes up unto the hills from which cometh your help. Don't you backslide. Don't you walk away. Don't you use it as an excuse. You serve Him no matter what anybody else does. Hallelujah. I am not Mara. I am Naomi. I'm a handmaiden of God. And I can't lose sight of what I started out to do. I'm not a Moabite. I'm a child of God. Second thing that you're going to need is somebody who really means business spiritually. I was reading through there one day and I, I read a portion of scripture that jumped out at me. It was an amazing illustration of how people can play games with God. The Bible says that Ruth and Orpah, and people don't realize this sometimes, but when you read it, it's there. Ruth and Orpah looked at Naomi and Naomi said, you guys go, go, go back to your lands. You, you guys have a lot at stake here. I don't expect you guys to stay single your whole life. There's, this is just not going to happen. And when, 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 when the full weight of it hit those girls, both of the girls looked at her and said, we're not going anywhere. Both of them said it. And then Naomi started counting the cost for them. What are you going to do? Wait till I have another son? If I, had a, if I had a husband tonight and we had a son, are you going to wait 20 years for him to grow older? You're not going to wait for that. There's no, way, there's no physical way this is going to happen. And when you start counting the cost and you start seeing what it's going to cost you to serve God... You find out who really means I'm not going anywhere and who doesn't. There are some kids in this building right now that they might be shouting and dancing, but I'm going to tell you the devil's going to try to find your sellout point. You're going to get to a point in your life where temptation is there, where there's money to be made, where your friends start going one way and the people of God start going the other way. And there's going to be some compromising young preacher that says you don't have to live that way anymore. And the orpas of the world start to shake. The orpas of the world start to shudder. They start to go back on what they eventually said they wouldn't do. And the Bible says that Orpah kissed her, but Ruth clave unto her. I didn't just come to kiss God tonight. I came to hang on to God tonight. I didn't come to just tell God what He wants to hear and then do my own thing and walk away. I came to hold on. I came to get a grip on the truth. I came to buy the truth and sell it not. I need some Ruths to stand up and say, Whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people and thy God shall be my God I'm not going anywhere I don't care what they offer me I don't care how good it looks I don't care what I stand to lose uh, uh. you got to make up in your mind to serve God, not because what you get out of it, because it's right. Oh, I'm going to serve Him forever, Brother Urshan. I'm going to serve Him for the rest of my life. You make sure you remember that when you're all alone and you're getting older. And you're tempted to let down your standards because you don't see anybody on the horizon for you. 
And you start looking over into Moab more and more as you start to doubt God's promises and God's purpose in your life. I'm just going to let you in on something that will help you out. I would rather be single and at peace than married with the devil. It's got to be God's way or it's going to be no way. I belong to Jesus before I belong to anybody else. I serve Him and Him alone. And if it doesn't come from Him, honey, I don't want it. I don't want Him. I don't want her. I don't want them. I don't want any part of it. You've got to make up in your mind, I'm a child of God and that's it. I'm going to do it God's way and that's it. That's the only option for me. There is no other alternative. Because you'll never find a Boaz if you're looking in Moab. Amen. You can be seated. You get a little girl that's determined that says, I'm going to serve God no matter what. I don't care what everybody else says. I don't care who laughs at me. I don't care how many Orpahs go back. The third thing you're going to find out is there's got to be a man who will not move. There's going to be a Boaz. In order to rescue, see, God's purpose was getting ready to get flung out in the left field. And because of people's ignorance and because of people's selfishness, there were periods of great darkness in many places in Scripture. There were places where heathen kings erected heathen altars. There were places where God's people were in absolute despair, where they were in misery, where they hung their harps on the willows. There were times when it was so bad... That there was nobody preaching it anymore. Nobody lived for God anymore. No matter The elders looked on and wept because no one would stand up. I'm telling you to avoid that scenario. There's got to be a Boaz that stands up and says, I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart. Amen. I'm going to give everything I've got. I, I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to love Him. I'm going to bless Him. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to serve God. You have to make up in your mind to do that. So the first thing that they did when, when, you're, when you lose your way, when you have lost your purpose, when you've made a mistake. See, you, you, it's possible for you to make a mistake and to get lost in God's purpose. My, the Bible records about a man by the name of Yuza. The Bible says that, that, that a situation happened where the Ark of the Covenant was coming back into Jerusalem and David was there and people were worshiping and, and, and the ox cart that the Ark was traveling on, uh, it shook and it jostled and the oxen moved the wrong way and because they did, the Bible says that the Ark of the Lord began to slip. It has never been God's purpose for people to die and for people to be smitten because because of a rash movement. But I'm telling you that sometimes we can build things a certain way and do things a certain way and we can mess up a certain way and good people can get hurt. People make mistakes and God's purpose can get lost in our mistakes. Did you know God never made that ark to be carried by oxen? 
God put staves on that thing. Little ringlets. And you were supposed to put, put wooden staves through them so that four men could carry them. They could adjust. They could adjust for the terrain. They could carry it the right way. When you do things God's way, you get a good result. When you start playing around and when you start not reading your Bible... I don't know who stuck it on an ox cart. I don't know who handled it so casually, but somebody did. And because someone didn't know what they were doing, good people got hurt. That's not God's fault. That's man's fault. Hallelujah. Somebody's got to get in the Bible and say, I want God's way no matter what. I'm not going to let something that happened because of me to make me stop serving God. So Naomi, her husband, they've gone into Moab. They've intermarried with people who don't love God and were just about a hair's breadth away from losing God's purpose in this family. It always breaks my heart when I see backsliders. And it really breaks my heart when I see backsliders over time. Is this okay? Is everybody okay? Because when you backslide, you have a couple of options. The first option being, come back to God. God will give you a chance to repent. And He'll give you chance after chance after chance after chance. And it's a good day when a prodigal son comes back to the father's house. It's time to rejoice. It's time to praise God. However, what often happens is they don't. They harden themselves. Pride enters the picture. And it always breaks my heart when I see it because I watch their body deteriorating. I watch the hardness in their eyes. Eyes that used to shine with Holy Ghost virtue and innocence and a prayerful holiness and a hope and an anticipation for the good things of God. Now they're hardened and they're skeptics and, and their children don't know God and their family doesn't know God. I read in the Bible where God gave Pharaoh chance after chance after chance after chance to serve the Lord. Not, not, not the plague of frogs, not the gnats, not the flies, not the water to blood. None of those things could turn him. Things will go bad. That's not God trying to beat you up. That's God trying to say, repent. Repent. It's steadily getting worse. It's steadily getting worse. Finally, after one part of the plague, the Bible says that Pharaoh's servants looked at him and said, Don't you know yet that Israel is destroyed? Everybody around the backslider will see that their life is destroyed but the backslider. And if it's left unchecked, it always ends up in death. Because the wages of sin is death. I watch people that live their lives that way and they lose God's will. They don't come to church anymore. They, they use nicotine and they use alcohol and they use marijuana in place of the Holy Ghost that they used to love so much. They use the escapism of Hollywood and television and movies and music to replace the preached Word of God and godly fellowship and the outpouring of God's Spirit. I don't want to escape in the world's escape capsules. I want to escape in the presence of God. I, I never want to lose the ability to walk in and lift up holy hands and let God fill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and renew me and lift me up. Superman can't do it. Jesus. Jesus does it. 
Hallelujah. I'm not looking to the sports world. I'm not looking to that stuff. I'm looking unto Jesus. Because I can't lose His purpose and His will. I'm trying to close. I'm trying to wrap up. But I want to get to where I'm at. The Bible says that the first place Ruth went was to the field. If you have lost your way, I will tell you, get back to the very basic things in serving God. Get back into what made you great in the first place. I lived in a world of politics, in a world of corruption, in a world of compromise, and I didn't even know it. And I went down into a little town called Fort Myers and I started preaching Bible studies. And I started praying. I just started praying. Hallelujah. It's a good thing to just start praying. Stop looking at the world. Stop, stop talking to all your friends and just start praying. It's a good thing to start praying because that's what your grandpa did. That's what your great grandpa did. There's something you find in a prayer room that you won't find anywhere else. And I simply went back to the field. In the field, I started praying. I started worshiping. I got a hold of God. God showed me who I was. God showed me who He wanted me to be. I found the God of my grandpa and my great-grandpa. I found the God that brought them out. And the same God that brought them out is the same God that can bring me out. In the field, Ruth found the God of the Israelites. In the field, she got back to the basics of serving the Lord. You just get in and you do the simple things. Pray. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Get your Bible out. Read the Word of God. Fall in love. Stop listening to backsliders. Stop listening to people that walked away and get back in the field. You never should have left the field to begin with. Oh, one of the greatest things I found in digging out of church is that while I was saving people, I started saving myself. Amen. I never fell in love with the name of Jesus like I did when I taught Jesus' name Bible studies. I, I can't tell you the amount of times where I would teach somebody about Jesus' name. And t I remember sitting in a Bible study and I was telling them about Noah and the ark. And while I was telling them about Noah and the ark, I went to 1 Peter 3, 18 to 21. That says the like figure whereunto baptism does also now save us. And while I was teaching them about Noah and the ark, God was telling me in my head, baptism saves you just like that. The water buries the sin. You go through the water. It washes away the sin. And you come out on the other side a brand new creature. Your past has been washed away. I almost had to stop the Bible study and start speaking in tongues. Because in the field, I found out more what I believed than I ever thought I could. I fell in love with Jesus. I found Boaz. I found the kinsman redeemer. I found the answer to my problem. I, my God somebody listen to me I'm telling you that God will begin to restore God will begin to put back God will begin to heal God will begin to bring again God will begin my somebody help me 
God will teach you how to shout all over again. God will teach you how to speak in tongues all over again. God will teach you how to love His Word. The same Word that saved your father will save you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Ruth. Get out in the field. You won't find Boaz unless you get out in the field. Hallelujah. 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 I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, God knows how to rescue a generation. It's not just going to be about the Leahs and the Rachels. It's going to be about the Pharezes and the Tamars. God's going to talk about restoration. He's going to talk about bringing it back from the edge. He's going to talk about people that almost lost it, but they got it back. Ah, hallelujah. Woo. My, my, I, remember, I remember sitting in a Bible study. I'm talking about being in the field. I remember sitting in a Bible study. And I was talking to them about Abraham offering Isaac on the altar. And see, when you, when you watch your parents praise God, you learn how to praise God. Okay, we clap our hands right here. We lift our hands right here. We, oh, this is where we shout. Okay, we shout. This is what we do because we're Pentecostal. Honey, I remember the day that it went from head knowledge to down in my bones. I'm afraid that some people don't understand the power of the blood. I'm afraid that some people don't understand the power of redemption. But the fact is, Isaac was going to die. He was going to die. He was on the altar. He was bound, tied up. The knife is coming down. He saw Abraham's veins sticking out on his neck. He saw the wind blowing in his hair. He saw his muscles tense. He saw the downward motion. He tensed his body waiting for the impact. And then he saw the angel stretch out his hand and say, Don't kill the boy. God's got a substitute so the boy doesn't have to die. Honey, when he cut Isaac off of that altar, Isaac came off singing. Isaac came off praising. I'm not going to die today. He set me free. He set me free. No more chains. No more prison for me. You can't sing that song unless you have a revelation of the redeemed of the Lord. Honey, I don't praise him because my dad did. I praise him because there's a substitute. I praise him because he cut my chain. I praise him because I've got a lamb that took my place. Hallelujah. I got an idea. 
Why don't we praise him with an Isaac praise tonight? Don't praise him with your third generation praise. Don't praise him with your yawning, checking your watch praise. Don't praise him with I saw my mom and dad do this praise. But praise him with an Isaac praise. I'm off the altar. I'm not going to die. His blood paid the price. Praise him like that. Praise him like that. Praise him like that. Maybe now you know what it means when it says, let the redeemed of the Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so, say so, say so, say so. I don't need professional Pentecost. I don't need jaded Pentecost. I don't need sarcastic Pentecost. I need the blood of the Lamb. I need the substitute. Come on, somebody, get in the field. Get in the field. Get in the field. Get in the field. You're going to find yourself in the field. You're going to find what made Abraham great. You're going to find what made Isaac great. You're going to find what made Jacob great. You got to get in the field, Ruth. You got to get in the field. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All over this building right now, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why do you praise him? Do you praise him because you've seen somebody else praise him? Or do you praise him because you came off of that altar? Do you praise him because he sets you free? Do you praise him because you know about the blood of the Lamb? Say so. Say so. Say so. Say so. Say so. Come on, Naomi. I'm bringing you back. Come on, Ruth. I'm bringing you back. Come on, Boaz. I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back. Oh, come on. I need some young men right now to cut loose in the Holy Ghost. Stop waiting on somebody else. Praise him. Praise him. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the... Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. The high sounding cymbals. Let everything... Let everything... Let everything... I found it in the field. I found it in the field. I got, let's get back to what made Pentecost great. Get back to what built this church. Get back to what built your grandparents. Get back to it. Come on.
Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody give him an Isaac praise. Somebody give him an Isaac praise. Yes. 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 I don't care how many people backslide. I'm never going to be Mara. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm never going to stop being God's child. Go. Go. Let it go. In the name of Jesus, right now. Right now, get it down in your bones. Get it down in your spirit. Come on, young lady. On a Thursday night in Louisiana Youth Camp, I'm never going to be the same again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm bringing you back from the edge. I'm bringing you back from the edge. I'm pulling you out of Moab. You don't belong in Moab. Come on, God's breaking some stuff up right now. He's breaking some stuff up in your spirit. He's flushing doubt out of somebody right now. He's flushing weakness out of somebody right now. He's laying a foundation in somebody right now. Hallelujah. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. Pour your heart out. I'm getting rid of all the garbage that the devil tried to do. 
I'm getting rid of the politics. I'm getting rid of worldly friends. I'm getting rid of carnal influences. I'm getting rid of addictions that I've created. I'm getting it out of my life right now. I'm going back to the field. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, all over this building. Let the Holy Ghost touch you right where you are. Ha! In the name of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, let him have his way. 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 In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. Go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Right now. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 H